Welcome back to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, executive producer and former host, and I'm back in front of the mic today to bring you a special bonus series on five writing essentials, brought to you by Nick Childs, the industry writing coach for the College of Journalism at the University of Georgia. Nick and I sat down over Zoom to bring you this bonus series. In this episode, the second of five parts, Nick and I discuss news gathering and where to look to find stories. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. All right, welcome back, Nick. Um, We're here now to talk about our sort of part two of five um, on best writing practices for students. Uh, And right now we're gonna talk about finding news and news gathering. So I guess the first question is, where do you even begin? So when I I was a reporter in New York, I would spend a lot of time sitting in the offices or sitting around a lot of veteran reporters, like in some cases, pretty famous journalists. Um, one of my favorites was a columnist named Jimmy Breslin, um, who also was a, a novelist who wrote some nonfiction as well, some books, kind of a famous figure in New York, in the New York newspaper world. He's famous. One of the, the ways that he made his name was um, his famous grave digger story. So in, in back in the 60s, when he was a younger journalist, he went to cover Kennedy's funeral after John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Most of the journalists he knew were gonna be concentrating on, if not like Kennedy's kids or you know, people who were crying about how horrible they felt about all this and what happened to him. Well, Breslin went to the grave site where Kennedy was going to be buried. And he found the guy who had dug Kennedy's grave, who had actually dug the dirt out of the ground. And so he, made, he wrote a story about that guy's life and how like, he felt about what he was doing. Um, and so that was a, a, a lesson that generations of journalists have kind of followed is to find the grave digger. So that's somebody who is related in some way to the story at hand. Um, so writing a, and focusing on that person allows you to talk about the, the big news story of the day, but it's a different angle into the story than all of the other journalists and your peers would be taking. I think the lesson is to kind of take a step back and to think on any particular news event, who are the people that are affected by this who are less, the, the less obvious? So, you know, if it's a story about, you know, the, the oversubscription of, of kids in, in AP courses and how it's now become like the most important thing on it to, in a kid's mind on their college application. Maybe you think about what life is like for the kids who, who aren't in AP courses or who don't think that they're capable of being in AP courses. So then that gets you to a story about like what's going on with kids like kind of in the middle in high school, the ones who are not like in special ed or who are not getting special services, the ones who are not trying to get into the Ivy League school or something. Kids who are doing okay, but not doing great, who don't really think that they can handle AP courses. So in that case, that would be like your grave digger story. 
you know, what is high school like life, high school life like for a kid who um, is just an okay student? And where is that kid going in, in this day and age in the new millennium? Like, is there a place in our society for kids like that? You know, are you able to find a, a good paying job that will allow you to support yourself and a family? If you're a B student in high school and you're going to the, maybe the local community college, all of those things flow out of some story or some meeting that's about AP courses, but you're kind of taking a different, a different tack to it. Or, you know, even think about when, when I was working in high school for one of my, my students, doing some work with students there, for one of my, um, my, my, my kids, some of the teachers started talking to me about the kids whose parents were forcing them into AP courses because the parents felt like that was kind of a, an arms race that they had to be winning with their kids, but the kids didn't belong there. And the incredible stress that this was creating in kids um, and making them feel like, you know, that they were not, that, that they were, were, I mean, in some cases, you know, made almost suicidal by this pressure that parents were putting on them to, to be in these classes that they were not ready for. I think that that's a big one is to kind of look for the grave digger. Another one I think is like a lot of newspaper reporting or, or journalism is covering kind of the big decision-making um, sources like on a, in a particular area, area. So like the city council meeting, even like Congress, you know, co congressional bills that have been passed and made into laws. But I was always interested in looking at how does some policy decision look on the ground? That's where you got into how it impacted other people, how it affected the lives of humans, um, how often how this played out on the ground was very different than what the intention was. And if you were in the room, when the discussion was being had about what this new law was going to do, then you have the opportunity to then contrast it with what's actually happening when, when this gets implemented and how it's, it's, a, it's playing out in people's lives. So that's always a, a good way to take a news event and to make it much more interesting and much more relevant to, to readers. So let's say you find your grave digger. Um, what do you do from that point in terms of gathering sources, gathering supporting data or documents or even just background information? What are your best practices once you've got that sort of anchor to your piece? Well, to, to if you're writing about like some big person's funeral or um, the death of someone, you know, you should have already, before you go to cover that, you should have already written a lot of like who they are. So digging into like their lives and background, doing um, searches on, um, you know, their family histories and whatever you can dig up um, so that you don't have to do all that stuff at the last minute. You know, for like the Gravedigger story, you know, it's, it's important for, for Breslin to have looked into, you know, kind of how, Kennedy's policies maybe affected like poor people and how their lives might have been changing or not changing since he was elected. Um, so you might have to have done some research on, 
you know, what, like how the poverty rate has changed or is there more opportunity now for the working class, you know, maybe even some bills that he passed or signed that were going to make the, make life easier for the grave digger, or maybe even he might have signed bills that made life harder for the grave digger or, you know, like increased taxes for him. And this guy's not even aware of it. So he's mourning somebody who was actually making his life harder. So, you know, those are the kind of things that I think that you'd be looking for kind of contrasts and contradictions that you then need to kind of find evidence in, in, in information to back up. So, you know, the more information you have, the more facts that you've been able to, to, to pull out, the more um, numbers that back up a point that you're interested in, then the more directions that, that kind of gives you to, that you can go in in your writing um, as you kind of build this narrative. As you cover a community or cover a beat, it is super important to be really in tune with the goings on of that community or of, of that beat. But at the start of that, it could be really overwhelming because you feel like you, you, you don't know enough to be able to, to tell a good story. So what is your advice for students um, who want to stay in tune with the world without getting overwhelmed at the sheer amount of information that circulates? Well, one, I think that you, you have to, to kind of know what the big issues are like nationwide and statewide that might be impacting the local community. You know, you need to be reading whatever the, the, the major newspaper or website is that covers that, that particular state. You know, there, there's usually there's something based in the, the, the state capital that gives some kind of idea of what like the state legislature is up to. And I think that local reporters need to keep their eye on that kind of stuff because um, a lot of times those their good stories there will be impacting the local community sometime in the next year or two. And you can kind of forecast what's coming down the pipe that's going to affect the lives of people in, in your community before other reporters or other people are even aware of it. Um, unfortunately, there are not enough news organs and um, publications anymore that cover a lot of state government. And I think that's one of the, the unfortunate ramifications of how the media is changing and it's having severe consequences. Um, and it, those things will only get worse unless we figure out like new models for how to cover communities. I mean, I remember um, in my local community, like voting in, in elections that weren't like for Senate or presidential, and having to go for for days and in some cases weeks figuring out who won because like there was no place where i could find out like in a for a local state senate election who the winner was and i just it, it was like you know like i was gobsmacked by how how poorly most communities are now covered in that way i also think that it's important for you to to have sources, places, people where you can kind of check in on the temperature of the community. Um, so maybe there's a couple of police officers that you become friendly with or who walk the beat. Um, well, they don't even really walk beats too much anymore these days, who, who drive the beat in a community and they can kind of give you some feel for things that might be about to pop off or changes that they've seen that are for good or for bad 
um, a couple of um, stores that um, a lot of the community will gather at um, grocery stores or um, you know newsstands in bigger cities or just different kinds of people who interact with the local public who can give you some idea of what's going on in the community. Some parents um, who have kids in the school system. So even if you're not an education reporter, they can kind of tell you about some major change that might be impacting a lot of the people in the community. So those are good ways for you to just kind of, you know, your job is to, to keep your finger on the pulse and to kind of figure out, you know, when the pulse is quickening or when it's slowed down. And so you need to have a variety of different ways for you to do that. Great. Well, I think that this wraps up our, our little discussion here of best news gathering practices or the age old um, uh, phrase that we hear in J school and that you talk about a lot, the man bites dog story. So thank you so much, Nick. We will now flash on to part three. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this special bonus series of The Lead Podcast. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy. This is part two of five, so be sure to tune in to part three where Nick and I discuss the importance of The Lead, and we are just talking about this podcast. This podcast was produced with guidance from Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute at the University of Georgia. To keep up with The Lead, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Until next time.